Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and take up the ancient art of finger painting? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if if but but good? good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. Hello. Hello. Good whatever time it is that you're listening to this. Uh, And welcome to another edition of a podcast without a name so far. Yeah. Um, This is episode two of many. I'm Evan. I'm Silas. I'm Peter still. Yeah, and uh, we're we're seeing if we can uh, write some dang scripts. Because why not? We're why all, not? We're all capable adults. How, how's everybody doing? Did you guys have a good week? We had a good week. I did. I had a great week. All all of we um, was able to get some work done. Just just doing this first episode kind of inspired me to do more and gave me more of a purpose to doing working on the idea kind of thing. So. Yeah, I I definitely like there's a lot of downtime in my work and usually that would either mean reading a book or more often looking at Twitter. And I kept thinking like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta work on that script. I gotta, I gotta get that, get that stuff going. Yeah. And uh, and when you have homework that like it has a date on it, it's more pressing than just like, well, I don't know how I'm going to fill the time right now, so I'm just going to do whatever comes first. And, and not only that, but also other pe- putting, making other people involved in the process too. You know, like you, you owe it to these people. Yeah, so like, exactly. Go, I don't, come, come, come through in the clutch, kind of thing. I don't want to look like a goober in front of my friends, <laughs> you and Peter. <laughs> Robbing Pew to pay Peter. Right? Exactly. Um, I got to stop doing that. So do you guys want to talk about what we uh, – let's go over what homework we set for right. ourselves and then say what uh, what level we accomplished that to. Okay. Uh, like how, how far along we thought we got on our last week's assignment. Yeah, definitely. So let's start with you, Silas. Okay. Oh, I, I certainly had the least of anybody <laughs> last week. I, I'm honestly most curious about what you came up with because your, your idea was so uh, – Nebulous. So, so non-specific. <laughs> um, I okay. So, I, I I feel actually really good about what I came up with. I think I have a much more specific pitch. It came to me in a having trouble falling asleep. Um, so, Peter, you gave me some really good advice last week, which was try to um, like come up with sort of figure out what story archetype this is. If we're kind of clumping up movies into sort of big broad groups and. I feel like this story is uh, going to be like a lost in the maze archetype, which would include such films as Inception, Jumanji, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, Stalker, the TV show Maniac, Jurassic Park, so like Minotaur. A, yeah. So it's a hero's journey in a confusing ass place. Kind it's of thing. well, it's not really a hero's journey. Okay. In I mean, it, I'm sure it'll it'll hit a lot of those same beats, but the the sort of similarities I found between all those movies I just listed yeah. is that it's a group of people 
that are trapped in a place. And the sort of end goal is just to get out of the place. And the sort of their success or failure therein is going to be, they sort of go through a series of small, seemingly unrelated challenges. Right. Which ultimately their success or failure is determined by kind of their own personal shortcomings and what they're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then sort of, you know, at the end, they, they get out of the maze yeah. and the sort of happy ending or sad ending is like they have been changed by the maze. Mm-hmm. Is it for good or is it for bad? Right. Like, okay. That's do we cool. do we leave owning a chocolate factory or do we leave like a madman who's sort of fallen down some some right. dark rabbit hole usually they get the job of factory so the the homework that i give for myself last week was i i had sort of a vague idea that i wanted it to be about like a sci-fi story about sort of going from one kind of more real grounded space into sort of more of like a dreamlike simulated space um and i i think i knew i wanted a female protagonist and i knew that i then that, that was that was sort of where I was at. Um, so the the thing that I came up with is, I I just I I thought that this could be really fun if the story is about feeling like you have not lived up to your potential, like sort of like midlife quarter life crisis of. Because uh, I feel like in all of these stories where there's some sort of simulated sci-fi space, there's always an element of kind of unlimited creativity. Like in The Matrix or in Inception, like you can, you, whatever you can dream up, you can accomplish. And I feel like the way that I personally related that to that most was I, I know a lot of people that thought they would be doing a lot more creative stuff by now. Like um, us, like <laughs> us, and the okay, premise of this of premise of this podcast. Um, so the the setting that I I kind of the the pitch for this is um, it's a future, um, which is a pretty bleak future. It it has a lot of apocalyptic feeling stuff, except it's it's not like there was a meteor or there was a zombie outbreak. It's just like stuff just kind of kept getting worse for a couple hundred years. Um, so this is, what what year are we talking if you had to put a year on eh, it? Eh? I'm not going okay. to. Like, so, alternate unknown? Exactly, yeah. yeah it's, it'll it'll be pretty nonspecific in, in that. I don't, I don't want it to be like, the Statue of Liberty! Oh, okay. um, you don't, you don't real-world uh, landmarks kind of thing don't play in? Yeah, I, I, gotcha. I, I don't think that's necessarily the flavor for this um it's you know it's a it's a world where it's it's pretty much universally uh not safe to go outside without some kind of breathing mask so 2030 Um, yeah (laughs) um 2020 in los angeles yeah exactly people are extremely poor and, and live in very very uh you know small rough conditions but like the few things that they own are like fabulously expensive luxuries that their lives have been structured around in a way where they can't live without them. Uh, Topical. (laughs) Um, And the primary form of entertainment in this world, more so than any other, any other thing 
is this this it's sort of like a VR experience, except you, you know, it, it's it, the whole thing happens in your mind. You know, you, you have like a, a capsule or a tablet and you hook it up to your brain and, and it's like you take a little nap and, and they they have just designed a dream for you. And maybe you're fighting robots in space. Maybe you're an explorer in the jungle um, and people are are bankrupting themselves buying these things uh people die in these machines all the time it's you know they're they're it's it's like the primary way that people ingest culture is these these like video gamey dreamy experience things so our main character is a woman who really really wants to make these she loves these she's she sort of always pictured herself as someone who would design these like simulated dream experiences um she made one uh, when she was really young that not very many people saw, but the people did see it, gave her good feedback. It was her student dream. Exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was her student dream. It was her, um, it was her thesis. And uh, she just hasn't really done anything with it since then. Um, I think I feel like she she works in some factory that produces these, and these, these things are wildly expensive to make. Um, I feel like her, her job is like they give her an object, like a plant, or a coin and she has to hold it for like an hour and then plug into the dream thing and like think about what it felt like to hold it and then that gets uploaded and she just does that all day like touch objects so that they can like source those experiences to to put them into the put them into the thing and it's like really, really boring and it's really dead end job um, human render factory yeah exactly that sounds, so so touch object take nap repeat for yeah hours. except except you don't get any rest oh, like okay. <laughs> <laughs> without without any of the benefits of taking a nap yeah um so as you can imagine she she doesn't feel great about this state of affairs when uh she is contacted in some way by uh, an old friend of hers somebody who um is like kind of a, a fairly successful entrepreneur slash con man. Um, oh, one, one detail. Uh, our, our protagonist is also making some money on the side by stealing shit, nice. uh, which she that feels, cool. yeah, she feels, she feels really guilty about, uh, not because of the victims of the people, like not, not because of the victims that she's leaving behind by taking all this stuff. She's stealing from like giant corporations who, don't even like it's, it's it's like a total totally victimless crime she just feels bad because she's like i'm better than this like, i should be i should be winning dream oscars man <laughs> um so she gets contacted by this guy who uh she she who who met her years and years ago when she did her student dream and uh uh we're gonna come up with a better name for it but um and you know he's this sort of con man slash entrepreneur i'm sort of thinking like the guy from the fire festival like this guy who's sort of all show and like very little substance um and he's like hey i i have this really interesting opportunity i think you'd be interested in a MacGuffin crashed (laughs) uh i'm thinking it's either going to be like a giant robot or a satellite or something like that. Some, something crashed out in the desert and um, it's this gigantic supercomputer with this unbelievably powerful processing. And it's, it's a liquid processor, which is the stuff that the dreams work on. And um, what's really exciting about it is the, the, the giant faceless corporation that lost this thing hasn't found it yet. 
but he has a, a good contact who knows where it is. And what, uh, that, I mean, that's cool because they could try and salvage it for parts or something, but I mean, that would be a really big operation. And if they get caught, blah, 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 it'd be terrible. But he has a buddy who has invented this new piece of technology that hasn't been patented yet. It's this kind of new thing where you can hook yourself up to it. And if you, if you, the idea is that instead of going through this painstaking, slow process of making these dream experiences where you just slowly, bit by bit, get all these objects and you put together this huge thing and it costs like billions and billions of dollars to make, his buddy thinks that he has, has found a way that if you were able to hook yourself up, you could just be in the space and you could just imagine it. And whatever you imagine would materialize. But the problem is, of course... You can't get a computer with enough processing power to manage this thing until this MacGuffin crashed. So their big plan is they're going to drive out into the desert with a small team of, of people who have wildly different worldviews and <laughs> senses of what how they define success and what that means for themselves, Who all, all of whom, for one reason or another, have been pushed to... Uh, do something which is definitely illegal. It's a crack squad of audience archetypes. It is. <laughs> and and they're going to go out to the to the desert and they're going to find this MacGuffin and they're going to basically take advantage of this this new technology and and it it would be like if, you know, someone just came up to you and said, "I found a way to give you a billion dollar budget for a movie that you can just have complete creative control over. And, and no one, no one will know. Like you just, it's this, so they go out, they find the thing, they get hooked up. And, uh, as soon as they're, you know, as, uh, of course we're in act one. So there's like some things that don't feel quite right. The guy who invented the technology, how Not reliable is this guy? Anymore. You know, yeah. Uh, where, where did you meet this guy? And then, so they, they get hooked up, they get into the thing and, and the, they, they kind of quickly figure out two things are wrong. Number one, they do seem to have this kind of unlimited creative power where they can just imagine something and it appears, but they don't really seem to be gods in this world in that they like have to face the consequences of whatever they dream up and they can't just make stuff go away willy nilly. And how much control and power that they have over this world seems to kind of come and go with some very fickle whim. Mm -hmm. They, they are not the masters of this universe in the way that they expected to be. And of course, anyone who has seen any of these movies has already guessed. The other thing is they can't get out. There's there's a very very simple way that we've established in the first scene, which is just how you how you how you hit exit. You know, you hold down the power button, or there's some there's something that's just it's how you wake up from these dreams, and it doesn't work. Hmm. So now they're stuck in this uh, space where it's dreamlike and it's sort of coming from their minds but they're now lost in a maze and they have to work together or work against each other or they have to figure out how they're going to get out of this thing so that's like that's my pitch um i tend to so so that was just sort of figuring out what the hell the story is about was was my first assignment the second assignment was coming up with a bunch like what the characters are going to be in this and i wanted to do that before i came up with a a beat sheet or a outline because i always go straight to the outline and then 
We talked about that. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's actually a good thing to do in a movie like this because it can just turn into like a parade of archetypes. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, you it's, don't want to be Armageddon. You don't want to be Armageddon. Um, I cannot stress that enough. Listener you want a Criterion release. <laughs> you know what the Criterion is for the Criterion collection, right? Was it like an insurance thing? You just got to ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know? So, so I have, uh, I've, I've done my, my best to avoid the temptation to beat this out and so to speak. And mm-hmm. instead, uh, I've, I, I tried to, um, sort of decide what I think the big themes are of the movie and then come up with four or five characters that none of whom would agree on the theme if they got talking about it just because i i feel like that way there's always going to be something to propel the plot forward and i feel like the big theme of this is is uh success and how the individual characters define their own success and how they define success in others and um you know how they are processing the, the feelings of regret they have about how they've spent the first half of their lives. Um, and I, I have a little paragraph for each of those characters, but I've also been talking for a while. So I, I wonder if maybe we can, we should come back to that later. Yeah. So hand it off. If we can talk about uh, just a little bit, what, uh, what other fictional touchstones sprang to our minds when we were hearing Silas's idea. Yeah, that's good. That'd be good. Um, what, what do you have? A, do you have anything? As you? a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> I've got a couple. So the first thing when you were describing, it's like a, a bad future where people uh, consume uh, limitless entertainment mm-hmm. that's very expensive and difficult. I thought of Ready Player One. Oh, sure. Which uh, I don't know if you've seen or read it. I, I read the book. I didn't uh, watch the movie. But uh, Ready Player One is basically like if a really hacky script doctor came into Infinite Jest. <laughs> like, Let's... Now, bigger Festifania, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let's throw in a reference to war games and just all this other stuff. It's a post-apocalyptic future where the way to find a true hero is the person who's memorized the most 80s trivia. <laughs> the decade of which I grew up. <laughs> yeah. uh, but beyond beyond that, it's uh, like the setting is, is kind of similar. In the But the theme is very different because... So I was going to talk about this a little later, but I, I reread um, Blake Snyder's Save the Cat this past week, which is... Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Which is a book that, among other things, deals with um, story archetypes. We talked about it a little bit last week, but yeah. it talks about how screenplays fall generally into a few different kinds of story types, regardless of what their genre is. And... Uh, I feel like Ready Player One is very much like a wish fulfillment story. Yeah. Uh, and this, I I don't know exactly which of his categories he would use to describe it, if it's what he calls institutionalized or if it's what he calls the Golden Fleece because it's got quest elements, or if it's even, oh, whatchamacallit, just rites of passage because it's about how these people change internally. Or even Monster in the House, where the monster is the house, so even uh, so, all these uh, kinds of movies, all t- kinds of types of movies, um, are distinct from the straight up what he calls out of the bottle. Which Ready Player One is you basically make a wish, the wish comes true, and uh, but it's not what you wanted. 
which there's an element of that in in your story where you know your hero wants a uh, a, a, a huge budget life or whatever but uh, it turns into sort of a how it how her desire is subverted right right so uh, so Blake Snyder if he were still with us which unfortunately he's not um, he would probably say like oh if, if it has this element it is this right but I think stories can be more than one kind of story um, yeah the 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 thing I've been thinking about it's interesting you mentioned the wish fulfillment thing because um, I I feel like any sci-fi or fantasy story has to have some element of wish fulfillment, even if it's just like with Lord of the Rings, like it just would be cool to be in that place. They just made the place feel so interesting and intricate and like there's hidden doors everywhere and it's like and made it into a character itself yeah exactly like even if it's just something as as kind of simple and and subtle as that um but in looking at sort of all these what i've been calling the maze movies like jurassic park or inception tron for sure yeah um gamer (laughs) there that's the one that i thought of for some reason i feel like all of those stories have an element of there's something that would just be so cool if you got to play with it. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the magical chocolate factory, seeing dinosaurs, uh, you know, get, being able to magically summon monsters with a board game. Like, there's always something where it's like, it would be so much fun to be nine feet tall and blue. If it just, yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, it's that's, that's sort of that's a different kind of movie. But if it wasn't for, and then there's this, there's this X factor which then takes that really fun thing and and kind of ruins it in some way. Right. And so I've definitely been trying to think about like how to balance that because there there should be something like the minute they enter the dream space, if I do a good job whoever's watching or reading should think like oh that sounds fun that sounds cool and then it should get scary so the basically the fun in games versus the bad guys closing in exactly exactly a couple other quick references i had one is uh i I already mentioned tron but i think tron is pretty close to what you're yeah for sure um one other one would be um Early 2000s, maybe late 90s, YA novel that I don't know how many people read it, but it made a big impact on me. It was called Feed by M.T. Anderson. Okay. Uh, Feed is this uh, book about a world where everyone has a, a chip implanted into, into their brain that they use for communication, that they use to consume all entertainment. Uh, that basically just is what we use smartphones for, except it's directly in their heads. Uh, and this was written before the dawn of smartphones. I read it when I was too young to know smartphones weren't out yet, basically. Right. Um, cool. And uh, I remembered having a great first sentence, which was, uh, it was something like this. It was like, we went to the moon to have a good time, but the moon turned out to suck. Uh, and it's, it's a book just about all these really cynical, jaded teenagers who uh, kind of uh, have the ability to spawn anything they want in their minds uh, and see it, so to speak. 
but it's it's mostly like uh, they have become so passive uh, based on having the, these wishes fulfilled all the time that uh, they just don't care about anything. And then there's like a, a, a counterculture subculture thing where uh, like people are getting the feeds ripped out of their heads and dangerous surgeries and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's um, maybe not directly related to what you're talking about, but when you said like dystopia and dreams and entertainment, yeah, those were that's what popped into my my head. Uh, oh, cool. And then I haven't seen Gamer actually. <laughs> I don't know much about it. W- w- could you talk about that one? Maybe some other yeah, things. Um, made you think about Gamer um, was from the directors of Crank and Crank Two. And um, Ghost Rider too. And Ghost Rider. Oh yeah, that's right. They did Neville Dean Taylor. But this this movie was like Gerard Butler was a prisoner who was forced to be like a a, a mark or like the 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 way the premise of the movie is that there's a game out there where you control a real life human being and a first person shooter, and Gerard, and then the the players in the game like live game are all prisoners. Right. So the way that they keep the prison population low is that they just let the like SR Entertainment. You go out and you kill them. It's fucking weird. Um, it's it's cool. I, I haven't seen it in a while, but it's it's that same idea of like wish fulfillment. And, right. Uh, is is Jared Butler a prisoner or a gamer? He's the prisoner, and okay. then like the gamer who controls him is like this teenager. Um, gotcha. And they like team up to take down the system. Yeah. Okay. Um, as, as you do. Uh, as yeah. You do. Of course. And Michael C. Hall plays the the bad guy, and he's real good at it. Um, he's great it was, it, was, it was like right around early Dexter when he was still like popular mm-hmm. then they made late Dexter and he was like Napa yeah. wild but yeah it was it's a it's a okay movie um, that, that might hint at the, some of the same themes sure yeah but it's this this is an interesting genre to, to play in because some of the movies are incredibly dope and some of them are really really shitty yeah, yeah. it's just like there's, it seems like it only goes one of two ways yeah. and I I definitely am like okay uh, Jurassic Park good Ready Player One bad <laughs> uh yeah, I'll I'll definitely have to um, do some thinking as to what works about the ones that work and what doesn't about the ones that don't, and and try and. I think of the the oceans movies a lot too. Yeah. Um, and how those those are able to have well defined characters, not not all twelve, not mm-hmm. all twelve, but like they had at least a handful of people you could identify with, and I think the the biggest way to create notable characters through through an ensemble is how they exhibit change throughout those three acts and i think yeah, figure out how these, who these characters are and how they change you know what their goals are and how they change towards those goals that's kind of like what i've been yeah is is uh should should we talk about those characters or should we we hear about somebody else's project i'm a little curious about these characters i mean we're yeah right. okay i'll i'll i won't i'll i'll be i'll be somewhat brief um uh, the main character I've, I've named Flora. I, I think I, I, you guys have already heard a fair amount about her, but you know she she doesn't feel like she's lived up to the, the dreams that she had for herself when she was younger. Um, there's this guy that she knew from back in the day, who's this kind of con man guy. Um, his whole personality is kind of built around the idea that he is incredibly successful, and any challenge on that is going to be really threatening for him. Um, when he, he hasn't kept in touch with her and when he met her, 
he sort of saw her as this kind of uh, bright young star. He saw this student thing that she made. And uh, so he doesn't really like he doesn't realize that she doesn't see herself as a success. And he also doesn't know that she hasn't really done anything since then. Hmm. Um, uh so then the next character is the guy who invented this technology who I've named him Ivan and he grew up super, super poor. He has absolutely no interest in these dream stuff. He sees this as frivolous. He sees it as a waste of money and he is incredibly proud of his own accomplishments, which he attributes to his intelligence, his hard work, him staying up later than everyone else, getting up earlier than everyone else. Hustle and grind. Hustle and grind. Um, like the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, That's great and grind. <laughs> Continue. Um, <laughs> this guy uh, sort of feels like, okay, oh, the, I should mention that the entrepreneur character is named Joaquin. Um, he feels like, okay, Joaquin is probably going to be in jail in a couple years, but he's he's helping me get to the supercomputer, which I can use to test this technology. And this technology is going to make me a millionaire. Um, he is super threatened by, uh, like, like he's, he, you know, when he's going to meet our main character, he's going to be like, okay, she came from money, which I didn't. She sort of wasted her whole, 20s blogging about the entertainment Mm -hmm. and she works like a minimum wage job he's going to be completely dismissive of her and be like oh if you just gotten a real job like i did then you could have been really successful and this is why i'm great and this is why you suck um next character is named margo which is that guy's assistant uh she is really young she's sort of a mirror of uh what Flora, our main character, was like maybe 10 or 15 years ago, except that she is really interested in the technological aspect of it. She doesn't see herself as like an artist. She's just like, oh, I just want to work. I just want to work in the in the business. Mm-hmm. And so she's interning with Ivan. She's like his his apprentice. Uh, so Ivan thinks she's awesome because she feeds into his ego. And he's like, oh, she uh She's she is soaking up everything and she's learning really quickly. Um, but Margot thinks that Flora is awesome because Flora works in the business. She touches the plants all day. She sees <laughs> she sees that as like this huge success. Like, oh, that's so cool. You get to. Yeah, I can't believe you get to be in the warehouse. Um, so those three characters are, are never going to agree as uh, like they're they're It's going to be uncomfortable to be in a car with those three people because they see each other in really different ways. Um, and then the last character I, I came up with uh, is I named Terika. Um, and my idea for her was that she is someone who like many years ago was a wildly successful producer of these experiences. She did really well, made a ton of money. Her name was in the credits of like so many big, huge things. And she just didn't really... She had a formula that was working really well and she stuck with it and the technology changed and interest changed and she didn't really change the way that she was making stuff. So it's been many years since she has gotten the opportunity to work on something. And it's been even longer since she's had a hit. 
So she's pretty desperate, super bitter about, you know, the, the sort of hand she's been dealt. And she really, really wants to give her career a jump start and kind of get back into the game. Um, she thinks Joaquin is an absolute moron <laughs> who is com- full of shit and she has basically zero respect for him. She is incredibly impressed with Ivan, who makes this really reliable technology. He's really smart. He's really hardworking. He's, he's created th- this stuff which is going to allow them to make this, to, to produce these things in a way that they never could otherwise. So... I and then I, I sort of there's a fifth character who I, I kind of thought about a little bit, but it, it didn't nothing about him was sticking in a way that I felt that interested in. So it's it's like a director who's like a who's like the guy that Flora wishes that she had turned into. He's like really creative and he's had a bunch of hits and so he's an optional character that you haven't figured out where. Yeah, I I'm not quite sure where he would fit in to all of this and it also just seems like that might be too many characters to develop in an interesting way, but um yeah, my I don't know how these characters are going to interact. I don't know how what who's I don't know who's going to die. I don't know who's going to live. I don't know if anyone's going to die. Yeah. I don't really have plans for anybody specifically, but I just wanted to get a bunch of people that all view their own and the other's success in a very different way mm-hmm. in a way where you could choose <clears throat> any random three of them and it, and they would not get along it would be uncomfortable to be in a car with them because they just have some really basic disagreements right yeah that's cool um so all these characters are going to be going into they're all going to be going in the location scout yeah <laughs> Probably <this one. laughs> yeah the uh they're they're all they're all going to go in they're all going to enter the MacGuffin. Hmm. um and what happens at the end? Have you figured out the... the- no, I, I I have... Oh, I've had a lot of ideas. Okay. Because um, I can't help myself, but I am really, really trying not to commit to any plot yet. Okay. Because yeah. I always get super excited about the plot before I know the characters, before I sort of know what it's about. Yeah. And then I get stuck uh, because I, I, I'm sort of trying to trying to, you know, force a square block into a circular hole. So I'm trying to just, like, not worry about that. Make characters I'm interested in, really figure out what I'm trying to say. I think that the next step is... So if, if this story is about creativity and, you know... Success, right? Success and how we define that, I sort of I have to figure out what lesson you have to learn in order to escape a maze of your own shitty ideas and failures. Yeah. I have some ideas on that. Nothing I'm really willing to commit to yet, but Mm. I definitely want to think about it from that angle before I'm like, so the first thing that happens is they're in a jungle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then second, they go to the desert world, and then there's the fire world and the ice world, and then... And then the food world. <laughs> oh, the food world. Someone's been playing Mario. Gotta have the food world. <laughs> there's going to be a water level, which will be the worst part of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's... that's yeah. Uh, Sounds like you were able to develop it quite a bit. Um, I, I am okay. excited about it, which I was not last week. So that's a, a market improvement. It's true. Yeah. Uh, how about how about you, dude? Tell me, tell me about your project, your romance. My romance. Um, 
my my homework for the week was to develop a beat sheet and for doing that i went back and i read a few chapters of save the cat dusted off the old uh uh beat sheet uh, template that i had and then in uh rereading it realized that you're only supposed to have like one or two little sentences nothing too like big it's just supposed to be the points on it and so when i when i had to like realize that i had to boil it down it took more and more consideration for it do you want me to read it out what do you want me to do with this yeah i i would say like um we could we could we could well, yeah walk us through the walk us through the beats that you came up with and and then sort of tell us Okay. Tell us how you how you made those choices. What and if if, uh, if it makes sense, also uh, I think it's always helpful to do kind of an outside in kind of perspective on a beat sheet. Where first you say like roughly what your story is about, and oh, then yeah. you say the very beginning, the very middle, the very end, uh-huh. and then you kind of flesh them out. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, totally. I think that's that's a great idea. Um, so opening image. So so let's just say the the basic plot that I got it got got it down to was that Rebecca and Steve meet in college. Uh, Steve introduces Rebecca to Jordan. She chooses Jordan over Steve. We cut to five years later, where Rebecca is wondering why she's still with Jordan, and Steve wonders what he's doing with his life. Um, Meanwhile, Steve's friends Cosmo and Lena hire Rebecca to work at their brewery as a social media manager. Um, And from there, Steve and Rebecca wind up reconnecting and we kind of go through the, that, that first initial phase where everybody's like reconnecting and everything is good and everything is going okay. Um, and then it kind of comes to a point where Jordan proposes to Rebecca and Steve and Cosmo get in some kind of fight. Um, so Rebecca goes into like kind of deba- debating whether or not she wants to be with him anymore now that she's met Steve again and um, those types of things. Um, and Steve and Cosmo kind of drift apart. My question for this part of the movie was, like, how much time passes? Is it, like, six months? Is it a year? Um, until Lena gets sick, and that brings them all back together. Um, and Rebecca sees that Steve is still there for Cosmo, even after everything that's happened. Um, and after Lena gets out of the hospital, Steve and Rebecca are at Lena and Cosmo's house. And Rebecca sits down to the right of Steve on the couch, and she reaches for his hand. Gotcha. Uh, that's, that's a, <laughs> that's a great, like, I, I love that the conclusion of the movie is like a, 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 uh, like a, a like, yeah, well, it, well that, and, and that it's just like such a subtle, like, I feel like in my story, it's going to be like, they run from the explosion, <laughs> the, the, the dragon they created. And it's yeah. like, she reaches for his hand. Like he he sees her in the mirror. Right. Like that's that's cool. I like uh, that. So it's it's still kind of a little vague right now. Um, I still have character work to do, so to help kind of flesh it out, and I'm gonna start doing the uh, scene cards coming out, um, to sort of get get it where it's going. But I want to kind of hear feedback from you guys because you got it in front of you. Um, that uh, what do you see, and what do you think? What I have so far. So the the question that I want to ask you about this is, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that this could be. Yeah. And I feel like the beat sheet isn't revealing too much to me about like tone, tone and, and like what's so like why this romance. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I'd like to hear from you is 
what do you think this story is going to tell us about these people that like it wouldn't it wouldn't communicate if it was about someone else or if it was from a different part of their lives like what's what's special it's kind of the the thing that's special about it is the way in which their their lives keep interconnecting and reconnecting Mm -hmm. um and sort of how the in and the way that the this romance and this kind of like love triangle at at the center of it changes all five of these people's lives and their kind of perspectives on what they're thinking um because it's again, it's, it's I'm still working on figuring out how they change towards their goals. Right. Um, but right now it is it is kind of like why this romance, and I, I wonder why myself too. I mean, I will be honest with you um, that that I I'm not sure yet. Okay. That I, I'm still kind of figuring out the the stakes of it, um, especially mm-hmm. since it's kind of a low stakes slice of life kind of idea right now. Um, if I can uh, give you a recommendation of a movie to watch, mm-hmm. um, Twelve Years a Slave. <laughs> it's just you should just see it. If you haven't, you should see it. No, but uh, uh, this you said that this uh, this movie is kind of about how you know the time passes between these people and how they um, they reconnect and they change and things are different because of how time lines up. Right? Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Um, one movie that takes us to an extreme mm-hmm. is called Sliding Doors. That's a great movie. Yeah, I, I've yeah. heard of it. Is that the one with the Gwyneth? Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow yeah. I think it's late nineties, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right in, right in the Shakespeare and Love years. Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, Sliding Doors is a is a movie that has kind of the same concept, where, where it's just like uh, so. Okay. In Sliding Doors, the difference between two versions of Gwyneth Paltrow's life are uh, this girl reaches out her hand on a, uh, a, a banister when going down the uh, subway stairs, and because of that, she's late for something. Huh. Um, because she can't get around the girl's arm in the way. Right. So the movie shows two stories. One where she made that train and got that job interview or met that guy or whatever and one where she didn't huh and uh the one where she didn't gets pretty bleak (laughs) (laughs) it gets dark yeah um and uh, you know sliding doors i think is a gimmick that only really works once because everyone will remember will remember it's like oh you're doing sliding doors yeah but uh hey it 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 it, it Rashomon was able to overcome <laughs> the, the same problem. Jet Li's Hero was a very similar movie to Rashomon, and everyone, every review said it, and I still went and saw it in the theater, uh, and I thought it was great because they flew around and they <laughs> yeah. attacked each other with swords. Yeah. My, uh, my my favorite uh, my favorite phenomenon of filmmaker syndrome is when people like are clearly not totally happy with the script they wrote. And in interviews, they're like, we're going for a Rashomon thing. (laughs) Which is like, I feel like just a quick way of saying like, I don't know if I like all these characters. (laughs) And I'm I'm telling you that it's okay if you don't. Um, uh, Yeah. The reason I bring up Sliding Doors is because Sliding Doors has a very obvious way of showing what the stakes are all the time. Uh Uh-huh. where 
in, in your uh, BGS do this right now, it's like, okay, uh, there, you got your your all is lost moment with whiff of death, but the all is lost isn't anything to do with our main characters. Well, it is because it's it's Rebecca's best friend and right, but it's not their lives; it's their friend's life. Right, and and but it's not. I, I'm just, you know, you, I know, you can, you can I, take I, the I'm note trying to like, I'm trying to, to but, figure uh, out how to explain that, like, that's, it's, it's not always the main characters that, that catalyze the story. Right. You know, that, I, that it's kind of like it, when it's Lena get the reason that it's Lena that gets sick is because that's what brings Steve and Cosmo back together. And it's also what brings Rebecca into the room with them again. Right. Okay. That, that it has to be Lena that gets sick. It can't be Steve or Rebecca. Cause then it's like, yeah. so I guess, um, the the structural uh, pedant in me is uh, is is crying out, but I need to accept that you're doing something different yeah. with your movie than I would do with my movie. Uh, but what I'm thinking here is that um, the uh, the the protagonists uh, I think need to one thing just in general in the speech as as it is now is. I feel like it would service your story better mm-hmm. if they led more of the action. Right. Um, they do things because they want specific things. Right. Uh, and things, the plot doesn't just happen to them. They cause the plot, uh-huh. you know. And th- th- unexpected things like, you know, a mentor dying, which happens in every movie <laughs> I've ever seen in, yeah. in the All It's Lost moment. Um those are, are great, but uh, not actually when they die. That's very sad, usually. But uh, I loved it when Obi Wan. <laughs> my favorite scene. Uh, it is, it's actually a good scene. It's a very good scene. Uh, <laughs> but it's, right. it, it's it's good to have those moments that yeah. cause them to react and lead the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, one thing, you know, it's just, right now it's just a beat sheet. But right, one thing exactly that is. you'll need to think about as you move forward into drafts and outlines and such is, are my heroes of my story leading, mm-hmm. so to speak? Um, I've, oh, and I've, I've always had that problem. Um, even with Wings Wouldn't Help You, the, the book I worked on, or I'm trying to finish. Uh, the the it's, it's kind of more of an ensemble piece, and the main character does get lost a little bit in that. I've always fought against that. It's, it's nothing new, but it's definitely something that is true. Um, so kind of jumping off of what Peter was talking about with the um, kind of solidifying like what what force is, is pushing the story forward mm-hmm. and then jumping onto something that you said when you were going through the beachy, which, which you had a question about how much time should pass. Yeah. Something which occurs to me about this is sort of on the surface, looking at the start and the end and the middle, it's, you know, it's a story about two people uh, sort of hitting it off and being attracted to each other mm-hmm. and then drifting apart and then coming back together. Right. Um, which is very compelling. Uh, I feel like there is, there could be something interesting with this particular story with the fact that they start out very young and a lot of time passes in mm. the movie. Yeah. I think it you could do something really interesting and special here if that was sort of 
like that romance is almost sort of like a prophecy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then the movie feels more like here are these four children. Now watch them grow up. Yeah. And if the the protein of the movie was like see them figure out what kind of adults they want to be mm-hmm. and see like five years, ten years pass. Yeah. Um and like a really big chunk of time where by the end of the movie, like I, I like, you know, there's so many movies where it's a romance and it's like, she's engaged to somebody else. She's not one of the cool kids. Like he can't. And, and it's just something like very, uh, there's a very specific easily confrontable problem that Mm -hmm. needs to be overcome in order for the romance to occur. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I don't think is particularly true to life or healthy. (laughs) Um, And I I like the idea of a sort of a coming-of-age story that is framed around a romance where what happens is they grow up. Uh Uh-huh. And that's sort of the thing that needs to be overcome. And it's it's not like, you know, for most of, like, the, the text of the movie isn't, you know, Jordan trying to come up with the perfect thing to say or figuring out what kind of bouquet of flowers to get or something. It's, uh, or Steve, sorry, not Jordan, Steve. Um, it's like, I'm getting my first apartment my friend got really sick and uh-huh. I don't know how to deal with that, you know, and, and that, you know, once they've kind of come out on the other side of that and they've transformed just by life happening to them and having to make really difficult decisions and mm-hmm. kind of accept their own adulthood. Like that's when the romance happens, not because he, you know, played the song that they had sex to on a boombox, but, <laughs> but because Yellow eyes. <laughs> yeah, just like they're, they're grownups now. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I really like that perspective, I think, because, um, uh, the, the movie that I thought of when I saw the very beginning of your beat sheet was, uh, not a, not a great movie if I recall correctly, but I saw it when I was like 17 it's uh, Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds, where the first 10 minutes of that movie, 10, 15 minutes, are uh, he is a, an awkward teenager in a fat suit. That's right. That fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then he leaves his hometown and loses the weight, becomes a successful actor or mm-hmm. musician or something. Uh, I think it's a musician. And then he comes back and... Uh, He's, like, stuck in his hometown for, like, a week or two. And in that time, a romance blossoms. And uh, it's, if I recall correctly, it's the same general thing where it's not like, um, you know, she's with someone else and we got to, you know, fight that guy and push him off a cliff. Poor Bill Pullman in (laughs) Seattle. Uh, He doesn't get pushed off a cliff in that movie, but he might as well emotionally. Um, But it's this thing where it's like, Okay, now that you've become a, a better person over the course of the movie, now it's like we, we're old enough to accept each other mm-hmm. and see that we have this spark. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of the thing is that it's like when you're young and there's no spark, it's like, oh, you're always looking for that, especially in college relationships, I feel like. Um, 
but as you get older, that's it, that spark diminishes more and more until it's like you you just start to see who you want to be in another person, you know, or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um. One thing which I would say, like I'm kind of reading, rereading over the the beat sheet, something that I think could be the difference between this being like a really interesting coming of age story and uh, not that (laughs) is the character of Jordan. Yeah. Who is the guy who's dating the girl our main character has a crush on. Right. Who also that uh, Steve introduces like Steve and Jordan are dorm mates in college and like he introduces Rebecca to Jordan. And then loses him to Jordan. Right. And then they all wind up moving back to, it all moving back to LA from where they go to college in Oregon. Right. And that that's kind of the other weird thing that it's like he doesn't know she's in LA. Right. Doesn't know she's still with Jordan or anything like that. So like when he walks into the the office that day to like, just go see Cosmo and Lena and realize that she's there, she's like shocked. It's like what the every living fuck are you doing here? <laughs> what a, what a coincidence. Yeah. Um, I think that. Something I would highly recommend thinking about going into this is I think that if Jordan becomes a villain of in oh, this yeah, story. He's, he's always been sort of like the, the antagonist. Yeah. I I think that could really hurt the piece. Yeah. If Jordan becomes the bad guy. Well he's he's not so much the like like the thing about him is that when it comes to like how Rebecca feels about him, it's it's less that he's not doing anything wrong, and it's more that she doesn't feel fulfilled. Right. And that and that doesn't make him a bad guy. It just makes him wrong for her. It, exactly. And and so I feel like I've seen a lot of movies that involve romance where they vilify. Yeah, like, it's like you have Pierce Brosnan and fucking Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. You know? It's just like oh, this awful, irredeemable person mm-hmm. is with the girl that our guy should be with whom she is engaged to for some reason. And so this is a little weird, but there's two movies I can think of that I I think did a really good job at nailing that dynamic where the, the it's exactly what I just said. The girl, our main character is supposed to be with is with the wrong guy where the, the, the guy isn't really interesting three-dimensional person. Um, Battle of the Sexes, which was I think, one of the most underrated movies the last couple of years with uh, Emma Stone and Steve Carell. The, the tennis, the one, tennis right? movie. I thought that was a phenomenal movie. And um, Emma Stone is married to a man in that movie. And a big plot detail is that her character is uh, a lesbian. Uh... And she falls in love with another woman. Mm-hmm. And... There's the big scene where the woman she's having an affair with meets the guy she's married to. And you're like, OK, well, he's obviously like a awful piece of shit. And he's like awesome. Uh-huh. And he completely knows what's going on. And yeah. he like he, he has a really interesting perspective. And in a weird way, he kind of almost ends up being the Obi-Wan character mm-hmm. because like he's like, listen, I've, I've been married to this woman for years i know her better than you do i know she's not attracted to me Hmm. but i just want her to do really well at tennis and i am really good at supporting her and i don't know if you are Hmm. her tennis has gotten worse since you two have gotten (laughs) together you should really think about 
how what you mean to her and it, you know it's just it's a it's a really interesting dynamic and it doesn't play out the way that you would think it does and i think that really elevated the movie the other example of that uh, is Superman Returns. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Brandon Ruth one? The Brandon Ruth one, uh, which is... It's Ralph, by the way. I think. Oh, it's Ralph. 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 Okay. Rhymes with South. Okay, Brandon Ralph. We're going to have to find that out because I, I remember that from 12 years ago and I don't know if it's still true. We'll have to find that out. <laughs> um, similar situation... The Superman comes back to Earth and the Lois Lane is married. And the guy she's married to is like a really, really awesome dude. And I think what's great about that is if 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 we come back to Earth and the girl that we love is dating a guy and he's just an awful piece of shit. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, well. This problem solves itself. <laughs> I'm much better than he is, so yeah. I guess I'll just stick around and wait for the divorce. Uh, but if the guy is like a good person who has like an interesting perspective and like isn't a villain, is just another character in the movie, I think that can really add a, an interesting dimension to stories like this that wouldn't be there otherwise. If I can provide a counterpoint, Please. I can think of movies where, two movies, again, where um, the the guy who is the wrong guy, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, is, is really nice and good uh, and just not the right person for the woman right, that they're yeah. with. And, uh, and everyone is, like, still pissed off about these two movies. All right. Uh... Because they they didn't really provide any reason for uh, her to go with the guy that she goes with, right? Uh, and one of them is obviously Bill Pullman, Sleepless in Seattle. He does nothing wrong in that whole movie, okay. and uh, and he doesn't do the thing where he's like super supportive when she's like, "I'm sorry, I'm going to go run off with Tom Hanks, who I've met once or never or whatever." It is. <laughs> um, He's just like, are you, we're engaged. Oh, what's wrong with you? And it's just like, oh, like, I thought you loved me and you, you've said it all these times and what the hell? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and people are still like, yeah, why Why did she leave Bill Pullman? <laughs> yeah. Bill Pullman was a good fella. Um, and then the other one is uh, Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah, because like the, the... Carrie Elwes, yeah. uh, the Princess Bride. Yeah. Um, He's a good dude. He tries his damnedest to like be good to that boy and the the, the big scene where it's like it's a pain that he's not the right guy is that he the the only sin he commits is he tries to do jim carrey's uh like dad maneuver the claw yeah where he like is like oh i'm gonna whatever claw you kid with a like this joe can thing yeah Mm -hmm. and uh it's like oh you're trying to take the place of Jim Carrey, but you're a significantly better person than Jim Carrey's character in that movie. So, like, why do we root for Jim Carrey? Because we we root for Jim Carrey because we've seen him change. Right. Uh, And we've known that he's gotten better and he's had to put a lot of effort into becoming better. Uh, But just something to be wary about is, like... You know, no, if there, it, it's a it's a it's, a fine, it's a fine line to walk. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, and I, I feel like the 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 common denominator with both of those problems or successes in movies is the idea that it is a foregone conclusion that the woman is supposed to end up with the main character. Mm-hmm. I think is very harmful 
because that's a an extremely toxic idea. Yeah. And if that takes the form of like, oh, whatever guy she's with right now is obviously terrible because mm-hmm. she's supposed to be with our guy. Uh, he couldn't possibly have any other redeeming qualities. He's a different human uh, versus like, obviously she's going to leave this awesome, supportive, handsome, wealthy guy. He's not the main character of the movie. And I, I think the, the common denominator in both of those is like the woman does not get to make a reasonable choice. Mm-hmm. It's just understood from the beginning of the movie. Oh, well she's going to end up with the main character. And then the movie just sort of, treads water figuring out how to make that happen and i think that if that feels like a foregone conclusion it hurts the movie yeah and that's, that's kind of like the the second act of it and playing around with um, false starts kind of thing yeah where like steve thinks that something's happening between like her and jordan and tries to make a move and she's like no i'm with him and that yeah. kind of shit um yeah it's something to consider yeah, like, it'd be cool if Steve did not spend this movie trying to win Rebecca in any way. Yeah. Like, if they they sort of have that romance at the beginning, and then a lot of time passes, and he makes a move, and she's like, oh, I'm with Jordan. And then he's just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then they are friends for the rest of the movie, and it doesn't come up again until the hand thing at the very, very end. Right. Like That could be interesting. That could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just about some good friends growing up, growing having, up. having trials and tribulations. <laughs> and you can call it, uh, well, they're, they're grown-ups now, but uh, they were kids before, so you can call it, like, they're additionally grown-ups. They're grown-ups, too. Two, grown yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good title. Yeah, yeah grown-ups, too, yeah. It's a great title. Yeah, it's a really good title. <laughs> oh, it, please excuse me, like, <laughs> turn this off and kick your asses. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Peter. Yeah, uh, so I think we're we're kind of running towards the end of our time here, so I'll try to be... Oh, uh, this will get edited down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to cut out all of the stuff I said. It's true. You don't exist, Silas. It's true. Why, why are Peter and Evan constantly talking as if there's another person in the room <laughs> that isn't one? That's the Holy Spirit. Schizophrenia the, Holy Spirit. the podcast. Oh, no. Uh, so, I... Um, I did not do as much writing as I wanted to this week. Uh, I've had a really challenging week at work, and I expect next week will be even like significantly worse. Um, so I just have been getting home tired and thinking a lot, but not like really putting stuff down on paper until today. So I put some stuff on paper today, and uh, what I did, my, my homework to myself was to flesh out the the characters and and sort of the world a little bit of the story to understand better like what their dynamic is and who else is in this story other than the main characters and um i didn't really do the other characters on paper yet Mm -hmm. but uh i think this the, the best work that i did this week was uh really understanding the two leads and like why we care about them and why they're going to have this kind of relationship that you know proceeds along in the trajectory trajectory that it does yeah like what makes sense about them having a relationship where they have a you know battles and then uh diverge and then come back like why do they come back to each other 
And um, so I wrote like uh, like 500 words or something about uh, the two of them. And um, uh, Greg, I think, is the name of the main male character. And uh, his whole thing is that he's he's a I've, I've described him before as like a schlub, but like he's deliberately schlubby. Like he, it would be very easy for him to accept giving up his independence in exchange for having a healthy life, but he chooses not to do that over and over and over at many opportunities, like at each turn. Uh, and the other thing is, in the beginning of the movie, um, he's likable. We can tell he's got like a good heart uh, and he does things that indicate this. I don't know exactly what they are yet, but uh, he reacts kind of the way any of us would react if people were uh, like unnervingly peppy around us all the time yeah, right. and have been for years where he's just like, yeah, whatever, go fuck yourself. And he goes <laughs> out and throws out the trash in a bathrobe and people are like, hey, Greg, how you doing? The hole? And then he's just like, I hope you fucking die. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Uh, so, well, in a way, that's there's sort of a, an empowerment fantasy that, like, like just sort of you t- saying that and me picturing what the first act might look like. Mm-hmm. It sounds like in some ways he's in a world where he can be as grouchy as he wants with no consequences, since yeah. everyone is sort of has the peppy virus. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, <laughs> I think there's a lot of fun that could be had there. Yeah, that's uh, for the the act two, especially the first half of act two, the whole fun and games. I think a big part of it is is going to be like the two uninfected people in the world exploring what they can do in this world together. Get away with what they get away because everyone else not only do they exercise and drink juice, but they process conflict healthily and uh, they make healthy choices for themselves Mm -hmm. in interpersonal relationships. so there's there's a lot that I think a lot of Plato. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and he's also kind of like um, just to go back to Greg, he's he's kind of like Will Forte's character in the beginning of Last Man on Earth. If you guys saw that show at all, uh, it's a show where Will Forte is the last man on Earth. He thinks. And uh, he just completely wallows in despair. Like he's <laughs> miserable, and he's like. So the reason that I said that the the Plato, so to speak, is in Act Two is because uh, Greg, in by the time the story starts, he's already done all of those things. He's already, you know, to use an image from Last Man on Earth, he's already bought all the giant Jenga boxes in town and uh, stacked them up on top of each other and then just knocked them down. He's done that a thousand times. <laughs> like it doesn't affect him anymore. It's not fun. Um, so. Uh, so he walls in despair and so uh, the, the, he has an important lesson to learn but he is capable of learning it yeah is what I'm going with for the his you know uh, his his opening like what we how we meet him and how we understand him it's like oh this guy sucks right now because he's been forced into the situation he can have a little bit of fun with it but like right it's not who he wants to be and will be if he has the opportunity to become that person. Right. So, so he's just a victim of circumstance at the beginning of the movie, right? He's, he's a victim of circumstance that's in large part his own creation. You're right. Yeah. Which is what makes it fun. 
yeah it's like it's a choice when and when it's a choice it's a lot more interesting yeah well and and you have to imagine like if you know in the back of your head like i should really jog a couple times a week i I should stop eating all of this (laughs) (laughs) but then like all of the people you know who do that are possessed by an invasive alien species like that's got to take some of the fun out of self-care yeah if like you like you can't commiserate with another gross ape about like uh, (laughs) there's no one he can talk to really right i went i went for a jog and it sucked no, it like, didn't. You release endorphins, and that's healthy for you. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I knew. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, yeah, he, like, it's, it's, I, I, I think I, I really like the idea of that because it, I mean, we all sort of like vicariously seeing somebody fuck up their life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's definitely a pleasure there, but I feel like you've come up with a very clever way of not making him unlikable by like it's sort of hard to imagine not making similar choices yeah in his situation yeah even though like he could just start jogging (laughs) any of us could yeah exactly (laughs) yeah Uh, so the other um the thing that uh i was trying to make him uh as far away from his end point as I as I could get without making him unlikable, so uh, just try to make him like distinctly this way, and then he changes over the course of the movie. And the the thing that happens to him in Act Two basically is, if you've ever been single for a long time and gotten into a relationship, like you don't handle it well. <laughs> at first, like at first, it's just like, oh, please like me, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to fuck this up. I don't. I, how do how do I not fuck this up? Uh, and that's what his and her monologue is basically when he meets uh, his counterpart, uh, whose name is Sammy, this young lady, um, and he does things that are that incidentally make him a good partner, but he's not a good partner and he's not thinking about her perspective. Right. Right. He's just like... Her needs. Her needs, yeah. Basically, he's like, I I, I like her. I don't want to fuck it up. I'm just going to do everything that I can think of that would be good, you know? Yeah. But not like putting himself in her shoes. Yeah, it's like a job interview. He's he's sort of giving her all the power and, and taking on the responsibility. Yeah. 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 Uh, and like, which is justifiable in a situation where she's been in a bunker for five years. Well, the, it's it's justifiable in the context of the story, but in terms of w- when she's grown enough yeah. as a, as a person that she is no longer bunker girl, you know. But, but he's, but then this, he's the, still proceeding in that same way. It's no longer justifiable, so that's why I have a confrontation. Yeah, where yeah. where he starts out as a tour guide, and then she's like, "I don't need a tour guide anymore. I just need a fucking friend." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I wrote here, it takes an explosive confrontation for Greg to finally wake up. He doesn't realize how selfish he's being until it's too late and he's lost her. So, uh, there, a very old screenwriting trope is to have each character have a want and a need, which aren't really the most descriptive words. A want is what they think they need to get and their inner need, so to speak, is what 
they really need to have for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the want is like to get revenge against the people who tried to kill Don Corleone. Yeah. And the need is like to be respected by my family. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they'll often pursue their want, neglecting their need, and uh, that's where the tension comes from. Basically, is that they're they're making all the wrong choices for what they actually need to get for themselves. So, um, so his want is to maintain his independence and get the girl, uh, and his need to me is to become a person worthy of partnering with. Right. Um, and then his arc is like, at the beginning, he's kind of like a selfish libertarian incel kind of guy. Yeah, boy, okay. <laughs> not full on. I'm not yeah, going to make yeah. him like a total piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, and you then have a character type. He, kind of yeah. yeah he, he feels very sorry for himself that he's not getting laid. Yes. yes. That he's, he's like, uh, but he's also, the reason he's not getting laid is because he hasn't, decided to live a better life. Right. You know? Yeah, he'd be uh, like, I wouldn't be single if it weren't for these goddamn symbiotes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just blame it all on the symbiotes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Sammy, on the other hand, this isn't the first thing I was going to talk about for her character, but I think it's uh, it's important, is uh, she, by the time she and Greg meet, she's been out of the bunker for a week mm-hmm. and uh, has been passing as having a symbiote. Oh, wow. Um... Which I that's not how I wrote it originally, but I thought there was something really compelling to that, that she didn't just stumble out of the bunker and be like, oh, my God, what is all this? But she realizes quickly she's smart enough to realize what the symbiotes are doing. And uh, then they they can identify each other in some meat cute way that I haven't figured out yet. Hot dog stand. (laughs) <laughs> they go to the hot dog stand and, and she overhears them go like, you got any beef? And they go, no, tofu only. And she's like, who would order beef? <laughs> what if what if uh, they're at the hot dog stand and she drops her hot dog and goes, God damn it. <laughs> and he's just like, oh my God. <laughs> Someone swore. <laughs> she, she's, she's, she's not okay with this. Very minor inconvenience. <laughs> Yeah. I've yeah. this excited since Nam. So, <laughs> so, um, so a few uh, character notes on Sammy beyond just that is she's just as independent as Greg is, uh, and she kind of emotionally reacted to the arrival of the symbiotes uh, similarly and just took very different action based on that. She shut herself off literally. Um, where she, you know, ran, she grew hydroponic crops so she could have energy to run on a treadmill so she could power her grow lights and just had a very monotonous existence for a long time. But she was deeply motivated the entire time by going, the humankind will prevail and succeed. Uh, She has like this deep-seated thing, like this stubborn determination to ensure the survival of humanity after the symbiotes are gone or whatever. She, she has faith that the symbiotes won't always be there. Um, and Greg doesn't. Like, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, whatever. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. And she's like, no, I came out of the bunker to see if there was another person that <laughs> I could, like, talk to and that uh, I could potentially further the human race with, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, and he's just like, yeah, whatever. I just uh, I just get drunk and jerk off. I don't fucking care. <laughs> you know. I, I love the idea that there's a 
like she she hasn't realized that like yes there was an alien invasion but like it's totally uh it's it's totally like optional yeah like like you can just decide not to be invaded it's just that being invaded <laughs> yeah, is pretty so good and yeah <laughs> it's people re- choose to be invaded your, like your knees hurt less believe it or not <laughs> the aliens have a storefront at the mall kind of thing yeah yeah. yeah, they do actually. That's what was. I don't know if you remember. I mentioned that last week, but that's like the big, the 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 catalyst is uh, he goes to the mall to get a symbiote implanted in his brain because mm-hmm. he's like, I give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, then he sees her, and then the debate is he. Tr- they try to find each other. Right. Uh... Um, so, so uh, I also wrote here. Sammy is my answer to the question, what if Catherine Heigl's character in Knocked Up wasn't a sexist character of a mean shrew? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so a few uh, a few character references for... Um, uh, going back to Last Man on Earth, Kristen Shawl has the same kind of thing where she has this uh, this intense desire. Uh, Will Forte is not the only character in Last Man on Earth, despite the title of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen Shaw has this intense desire for a better world. She believes the world can be better and that it's possible for me to save it. Right. Um, and uh, so she's got that. She's got a little bit of um, Kimmy Schmidt where she has this, not like this boundless optimism, but like this this kind of result of like a scarring of living in a bunker kind of thing. Right. She, she is sort of... One of her defense mechanisms is being very optimistic and sort of unrelentingly so. Not in like a perky way. Right. Just like a, we have to do this. This is yeah. how we will survive. You know? Yeah. Um, hey, Hulk, it's me, Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And it's, then, it's a great show. Kimmy Schmidt's a really good show. The, uh, the final... Uh, Character reference is uh, I can't remember. Uh, Tahani, I think, is her name. Oh yeah, the good place. Yeah, yeah, great character. Jamila Jamil's character, where the one who's married to the silent man. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I know enough about that show to know that. Yeah, and uh, Tahani has this um, this very misguided belief that kind of puts her into this place where she has a long journey as well. Sammy does have the same kind of journeys. Greg, in terms of distance, even if not in terms of uh, what their changes are, uh, where she's got this belief that good actions without necessarily good motivations make you good. Mm-hmm. So Sammy is like, I'm doing good things. I, uh, I'm a vegan and I, <laughs> I am working to uh, preserve humanity. So what I do necessarily must be good, even if I'm doing it for whatever fucked up thing I have inside myself. Right. Uh, And so, like, her whole thing is generally just, like, I can do no wrong because my mission is correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I I, I love the idea that this guy is, like, sort of dedicated himself to a life of hedonism. Yeah. Like, to rebel against the, the, like, vegan CrossFit aliens and then like he finally meets another non-possessed human who like also kind of does a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah wait what if you were gonna eat tofu why not just get the aliens <laughs> i i love that i think i think that's a really really fun yeah dynamic 
Yeah. And uh, sort of her want is to um, also to maintain her independence, but to uh, save the world, more or less. And her need is the same thing as Greg, to become someone worthy of being partnered with. Yeah. Because right. she's got a lot of fucked up stuff inside of her that she needs to get sorted out before she can, you know, move on. Yeah. So those are my two character dynamics that I worked out. Uh, I still need to figure out, like, what Greg does for a living and what his coworkers do and how he interacts with those people and other people. And it's like, cause he still is going to have like a job. A, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he, he necessarily needs a job yeah. in, in, uh, in this world where it's just like, but it's expected of him to still contribute to society. And he's so stubborn about it that he's like, no, I'm not quitting. I don't give a fuck that everyone's better than me. <laughs> like, and then they, they're like, well, if that it will help you uh, do what you need to do for this job, then, then please, you know, we understand you, you don't have a symbiote, so it's okay. But, uh, <laughs> and everyone just handles it, you know, very carefully. Uh, so he has a job that he probably shows up to three or four days a week, I think. And, um, yeah, so those are those are my two characters. I'm I, I'm glad that I got to know them a little better, so to speak. Yeah, because before it was just like, all right, he's a he's a fiercely independent schlub, is what he is in my log line, uh, and uh, and she was just like some broad from a bunker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's white man screenwriting one on one right there. Mm-hmm. Clearly, yeah. find the man. The woman is a caricature. Well, because the man, like, to me is, like, the character that I instinctively understand. Right, yeah. You right. Know? And I need to try to figure out who the who Sammy is by... Yeah. Because she's, she's nothing like me personally. But... So... My, yeah. my one question that I had was, why doesn't she get the symbiote? Like, what... what the, does she dabble with the idea of getting one, or... Does she not see the need for it? What? Why doesn't she just go through with it? If she's like, it's not going to change my life, but it'll integrate me into society, you know? Because to her, uh, so she she locked herself up in this bunker right when the invasion happened. So she, she doesn't know how they invaded, right? She just knows that they came, but she doesn't know what this world is going to be like. Well, no, let me uh, let me explain. So like, um, does she, she have a window? No. <laughs> she doesn't have a window. She doesn't have TV. She oh. just figured five what years is, is a good a time frame. Periscope? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe a periscope. A pigeon? That okay. pokes up from like a sewer hole. A talking pigeon yeah. is her friend. Yeah. Yeah. Little songs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. That's so a... I, I think she, like to her, there's no question that she would never get a symbiote. She's uh-huh. just like, no, it's wrong. It goes against my beliefs as a person it's like it's like a little matrix thing where the movie never really addresses the fact that life is definitely better in the matrix yeah but it's yeah. just like well yeah but it's fake yeah you know, the red pill blue pill scene yeah you know it's like uh she she's someone who would not hesitate to re- take the red pill every time mm-hmm. even though she's like What's going to happen is going to be worse, but it's the only thing that I can stomach ideologically. Right. Yeah, and I, I think the Matrix, th- there's a there's a there's an interesting version of the Matrix where, like, everyone just takes the blue pill, and it's like just Morpheus by himself going like, ah, but. <laughs> 
But like, we have gruel. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I, I think that's a compelling idea. That it's like. That's why. Why, makes, why? Why would you take the red pill? That's what makes like what was it? Cipher. Yeah. His, yeah. His, his decision to go back into the matrix makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like I've I've been to the mountaintop. I know that we're batteries, and I just want that life back, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, the um i don't want to i don't want to cut you off I'm done. are you okay it's, it's all good. uh so a, a couple things to uh i guess first of all like what what do people want to accomplish by next week i um so i know like roughly what the events are of my story i don't really know what their order is yet mm-hmm. uh in terms of like when does the the whole symbiote thing break down. Is that the midpoint? Is that the break into three? I don't know. So uh, I would want to probably try to watch a movie or two and uh, at the end of the week maybe have a beat sheet or at least the opening the opening image, the catalyst, the midpoint, the break into two, break into three, final image figured out. Right. Uh, Even if I don't have like exactly what the the debate or the B story or the you know yeah yeah bad guys yeah. close in on but the the skeletons of the beat sheet gotcha uh, what about you Evan um well first of all I know what would be next with my process but I want to find out from you guys what you think I should do next um just out of curiosity um to help develop my idea um like, I just want to put that out there because I, I, I know what I want to do next, but I don't know it, like if there's maybe a different route that I'm not considering. Well, let's let's hear what you, what you would instinctively do first. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I want to finish off the character sheets and start doing the scene note cards. Right. Doing, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a good idea. The I, I mean, definitely the character sheets, I think, is really valuable. Um, I know that's something that you really excel at and it's something that gets you really excited for yeah and i I think a lot of a lot of the the stuff that i i I jumped ahead of myself when i did this beat sheet like i don't really know the characters still yet which is weird for me but i i felt like i I needed to just know the general trajectory of the story and kind of figure that out before i figure them out for sure um that makes a lot of sense um one thing that i that uh, I think, well, what well, I think, what I'm going to be working on, and you know, you could do this or not, or you know, it, I don't think there's really any correct order to do these things in. But I know that for me, the the big thing that I want to figure out before I I get into the guts is like, you know, if someone was going to write a video essay about this movie like what would the title of that be like what's the what's the big idea uh-huh. that i am trying to serve in two hours or 90 minutes or whatever it ends up being and i think that for me i i want to have something that feels really concrete and and like a mission statement that feels really locked into my head that you know you wouldn't necessarily need to get to enjoy the movie, but that like someone who was really into it would be like, well, you know what this movie's really about? Uh, so I, I, I think that's 
that's what I want really, really locked in before I get much further in development. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've certainly talked about some of that stuff, but a lot of it was just me and Peter throwing out ideas for like, this seems interesting. That seems interesting. Yeah. And I think that maybe like coming up with something really specific and concrete right. of like, that's what we're here to do with yeah, these yeah, four yeah. people. Okay. Um, I think a good goal be, would be to do the character sheets for sure. Yeah. Um, knock those out, get those down, get these characters more understood. Um, and in that, maybe do a second draft of the beat sheet or something Yeah. to, to uh, accommodate the changes to the story that have probably occurred. Right. Yeah. That's that's what I was going to recommend was a second draft of the beat sheet and, uh-huh. and character sheets. One thing, I don't know if this is in the template you use for your character sheets, but one thing that I think would be valuable would be just to point out how each major event, especially the midpoint, uh, and the break into two and break into three, how those things affect your characters mm-hmm. and what your characters do as a result of... Yeah, the what I've been trying, something new I've been trying is um, doing for each act, as, assigning an emotional adjective to it. Mm-hmm. It's like act one, hopeless, act two, act you know, Y, act three, Z, you know, those two things. Um, and how they kind of correlate and... That was just, and then I looked up emotional adjectives on um, Google, and it was all like how to get your kids to talk about their feelings, and like (laughs) 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 it was like emotionally abused children like charts and shit. That was weird. How do you get your kids to talk about their feelings? (laughs) You teach them words like keen, or you buy them keens. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, okay, cool. Do that. Uh, what are you, Peter? What what are you... I know you've oh, got a rough week coming up. Yeah. Uh, probably just, yeah, again, the skeleton of the beat sheet would okay. be what I would try yeah. to focus on. Then, I think I there's a good chance that I'll have time to... If I'm doing the skeleton anyway, that I'll figure out what each of the beats mm-hmm. out of the so-called Blake Snyder beat sheet is, what the 15 yeah. story beats are, but I'm not going to go into the 40 scenes or whatever that, right. that is i think for me right now i've proved that this idea can be can can hold wa- can hold water now i just need to see what that water tastes like mine tastes like coconut pineapple that's, that's what uh i'm drinking coconut pineapple sparkling water right now <laughs> so there's a there's a cum joke in there um, no. <laughs> no no there's a cum joke <laughs> i was just saying don't okay. make it <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, another sort of thing to address. Uh, so we have this this whole project that we're we're that we've embarked on from last week until when we want to have a first draft typed up for these is sixteen weeks. Oh golly! Is the the time frame that we've set for ourselves? One semester. Um. So what is is there and I think no is a perfectly acceptable answer to this. We we all have jobs and are very busy, but is do you either of you guys have like some midway goals between now and 15 weeks from now when it's like thwomp 
Here it is, boys. <laughs> not, Read them and weep. Not currently. I could come up. I could add that to my homework and come up with something. But I think I think if it is useful, I think that there's certainly something valuable about trying to move forward week by week right. and not necessarily focusing so much on like I want to have because you know I mean writing is the reason we are doing this podcast is because writing is a very chaotic unpredictable process Mm -hmm. um so yeah i don't know is 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 that something that would be helpful for you to talk about or i think that it would behoove us all to uh spend probably four weeks planning Mm -hmm. and 12 weeks roughly four weeks could be five yeah is this 16 including today or 15 after today It'll be 15, is 16 total starting with last week. So it was 16 last week, 15 this week, next so, thing we'll... Next so we week have 14, 14 weeks left. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's say three weeks development, three three more weeks? No. After this? For, I'd say two more. Two yeah, more two weeks. more at least. So four total. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, in, in my time, in my like mental timeline, it's like character sheets and... Uh, and first half of the board this week and then next week is like second half of the board and nailing everything down and then writing it yeah but i i feel like i'd be prepared to write it within the next like three weeks yeah but not tomorrow yeah (laughs) yeah uh who's gonna write it all tomorrow (laughs) um i think i think that four four weeks of planning and 12 of writing seems like a really a really good goal um certainly not my normal pace, but that's that's why we're here, isn't it? Um, uh, one other thing I wanted to to bring up, I, I think this is, this is the last thing that I have in my head, um, and I think it just is is worth saying out loud that uh, so much of writing is working through the bad ideas, so you can get to the good ideas. And I know, at least personally, from my own experience, there's going to be some rough stuff that comes up as I'm working through this. Um, I think that it is, I think it's worth setting the precedent that, like, we can share stuff here and not necessarily be looking for feedback yet. Mm. I think, Just kind of spitballing here. I think there's definitely going to be times when I bring in stuff to show you guys where I'm like, I know this is rough. I'm not happy with it yet. It's just what I was able to come up with this week. And sometimes I'll say, like, do you guys have a better idea for this? There might be times where I'm like, I, I, need, I need more time before I really get this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know. It's all about gauging needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Anything else you guys want to add? No. We're, we're pretty long. We're pretty long, yeah. 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 It's Good fun time. it's fun to talk about this stuff. 